Welcome to Eden Speaks. Our prayer for this podcast is that this can be a place of openness, grace, honesty, and connection with our sisters in Christ and any brothers out there who are tuning in. While this podcast is in connection to our women's ministry at Living Word in Oak Harbor, Washington, we welcome everyone that is looking for real Christ-centered conversations. Some of these conversations may be hard and emotional, stirring up parts of us that we would prefer to keep hidden and protected. Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Let us be that light to one another. Let's take a step outside of our comfort zone. Let's trust Jesus to show us how to give grace and hope to others, and also put us in a posture to receive it as we engage in a journey of growth. Let's speak the truth of God's word. Let's always speak love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Eden Speaks, a place of hope, encouragement, and grace. I'm Amy, and at this point, you'd usually hear Shannon pipe in and say, I'm Shannon, but Shannon's not here today. So I have a very special guest here with me that um, I want to introduce you to, Carrie Potter. Um, Carrie and I met a couple years ago. Um, God decided that she needed to be in my life, and bada bing, bada boom, he made that happen, (laughs) and... We spent three hours in Starbucks together the first time we ever met. We did. And decided, oh gosh, we should probably go home to our families because (laughs) we would just talk and talk and talk. And um, we met a couple other times at Starbucks, but we did have to put time limits on ourselves. Like, okay, I have to leave at this time because otherwise we would sit there for three hours again. So yeah. um, So I hope you're all ready for a three hour podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) We totally could do that. We totally could. We have spent hours in my office just chatting. So Carrie, I'll give you an opportunity to just kind of introduce yourself a little bit and tell everybody about you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And um, I am a colleague of Amy's. I'm a licensed mental health counselor associate here in Oak Harbor. Um, I have lived, let's see, I've lived in the Northwest since 2005 and in Oak Harbor since 2012. I am married to Dan. He's a youth pastor at Family Bible Church um, in Oak Harbor. And we have a son, Daniel, who is 23. And we have a dachshund, Angus, who's sitting next to me he right is. now. Hopefully, Angus is chilling with us. Hopefully he's just he will be very quiet. Being a little angel dog, like always. He's a good boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's me. I love, let's see. I mean, you'll probably hear more about me as I talk and what my passions are. But I love working with women in particular, um, young women in their 20s and 30s. I definitely have clients that are outside of that, um, teenagers. And um, what else? You may have noticed that my name rhymes with uh, Harry Potter. My name is Carrie Potter. Um, That is, you know, not on purpose necessarily, (laughs) but I don't mind it. Really awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I do really love the Harry Potter universe. And Probably my favorite vacation that I've ever been on is when we went to Universal Studios in Florida a couple years ago to the Harry Potter world. It was so delightful. I loved it so much. I'm kind of sad that I've already been there because now I can't go for the first time again. You could go again, but it wouldn't be the first yes, time. So and that sounds like an experience. Yeah, I loved it so much. All in so, itself. That's yeah. awesome. I love Harry Potter too. And didn't at some point, like, I know your husband's a youth pastor mm-hmm. and so he works with a lot of teenagers and stuff. Didn't he like do something where he grew a beard and like they had to figure out his name was Harry Potter because he had a a beard. I mean, he hasn't grown a beard, but it could be that there was a 
maybe a picture, a game of Pictionary, maybe something like that. I don't know. I yeah. just I heard a story about Dan and yeah. like him being like Harry Potter, but because of a, a beard. We both fully embrace <laughs> the last name of Potter. Yeah, it's good. I love that. I love that so much. I'm a huge Harry Potter mm-hmm. fan, also. So that was my quarantine like book series. Yes. Like I read every single one from start to finish and then watched each movie as I finished each book. They're so that so was, good. that was kind of, kind of what I did. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Carrie, Carrie's kind of my like therapist, best friend, you mm-hmm. know, like that person that I get to consult with and get to just bounce things off of and vent to. And, um, Carrie's a three on the Enneagram oh, for yeah. all of our Enneagram nerds out there. Um, and that's been a definite treat for me. In, um, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> totally been a treat for me because like in the areas I want to like sink in you're like let's do it like you have this awesome business mind and I don't have that and so we've made a good team I do tend to put the put the gas on you do yeah you do and I'll come in with some logic and yeah (laughs) you know I need some breaks we that's why that's why we have both pedals yeah absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. so today we are because we're you know we're both therapists so what do we love talking about more than mental health related things. So we're going to really like dig into that today. Um, we are going to be focusing specifically on women with ADHD. And this is a topic that is very near and dear to Carrie's heart and she's very passionate about. And so I thought, what a great topic for us Mm -hmm. to talk about, because this is something that you are really, really embracing and learning a lot about Mm -hmm. and, um, really wanting to lean into and helping women in this area. So, um, where did this this fire inside of you come from on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to remember exactly when I kind of started thinking about this. Um, I think probably like a lot of us in general, when I thought of ADHD, the picture, the client, if you will, that I had in my mind was like an eight-year-old boy like bouncing off the walls, maybe in a classroom and like being very disruptive. And so um, the idea of women, like adult women with ADHD, I, it, I think actually I heard, a, I heard another podcast from a therapist that talked about kind of specializing in that area and particularly helping women discover that had never been diagnosed with ADHD, discover that that's what they had. And then finding all the ways that that changed their life, like that diagnosis and treatment of that specific thing just really opened up doors um, for women in particular to kind of let go of these things that had been kind of haunting them all their life. And, and I think that that, that was very appealing to me. Um, I started reading about it. I'm, let me just say from the get go, I'm by no means an expert in this. Um, but I have done a lot of reading in it and I've really been exploring and doing a lot of thinking about it. And, um, and so, yeah, it is something that I, I think as if more people knew about what it looks like in women, particularly, and in girls, um, it might not be such a lopsided diagnosis. Um, I mean, the, you know, boys are overwhelmingly diagnosed with ADHD more than girls are. And that's not because they necessarily have it a whole lot more than girls. It's because that's just who gets noticed and diagnosed. Well, there's this, I think, in knowing some of the symptoms of ADHD in boys and in and in girls or young women, boys' symptoms are far more like out there. 
Yeah. You know, like, so like you said, disruptive is it can be really disruptive. And so mm-hmm. like when you start seeing a little boy acting in those ways, it's like, Ooh, he could potentially have ADHD. Let's start getting this ball rolling. Whereas with girls, it look, it's more, it's the inattentive mm-hmm. part of it. It's um, boys are like the hyperactivity side of it. Girls are what's called inattentive, where mm-hmm. it's like quieter in that way that they're maybe a little spacey or forgetful. Mm-hmm. They might be really chatty sometimes, yeah. but like it's it's like different. Mm-hmm. And we had kind of talked about this a little bit, like can almost be seen as a character flaw yes. instead of a diagnosis of some sort that right. is causing them distress. Right. It's just seen as like, oh, she's just... She's just so spacey. She she's so to, flighty. She needs to try harder. Yeah, she's just not an organized person mm-hmm. type of, of mm-hmm. thing. Um, in in doing your your reading and all of that, what have you found? Or even in some, I know you actually, I think, had a client that figured out that she was mm-hmm. had ADHD and it was like mind-blowing for her. Yeah. Um, but what are some of the, the symptoms that can be present for women that are very different than what would be for, you know, the classic... ADHD symptoms that we think of. Yeah. So, I mean, in order to be diagnosed with ADHD, and I don't have my DSM here to, to you know, list out the diagnoses, but but basically the, um, the criteria there's, like you mentioned, the hyperactive or the inattentive type, mm-hmm. or it can be mixed. And so, um, you know, there's, there's all these kind of classic, I think we tend, like I said, you know, we tend to know the hyperactive symptoms a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Inattentive, like you said, does look like kind of that spaciness. Um, difficulty completing tasks, getting interrupted even in the middle of tasks, like just difficulty kind of um, paying attention. What I think, you know, in, in order to be diagnosed, these symptoms need to be present before age 12. Now, I would say that's probably controversial because um, although in boys, like you said, they do tend to be present and noticed mm-hmm. by teachers, by parents, um, that's not always the case for girls. And depending on what kind of family structure you grow up in, um, you could very well have, you know, a very structured family, maybe parents that are that are able to help you, you know, create structure. And so you kind of just compensate in a way um, that it doesn't show up. Or um, like you mentioned, you know, they can just be seen as like, oh, they're a little spacey and almost kind of laughed off. Mm-hmm. Um, girls just with gender norms, in at least in the United States, they tend to be sweet, um, ideally, right? And I say ideally in quotes, right? But um, they, so this, this maybe they're really sweet, and so teachers are like, oh, you know, they're really sweet though, like they're fine, they're not disruptive, or like you said, they tend to be chatty. So okay, they're just a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. So when it shows up is when that structure kind of goes away. And for a lot of women, um, well, that could be all kinds of different things, right? That can be maybe the first time they're um, moved out of their parents' house and they're living alone. So it can absolutely show up in college Mm -hmm. for the first time or, you know, whatever they're doing after high school. Um, For some people, it's it's like all of the detail of child raising that it's just like it becomes so overwhelming and that that's when the symptoms really show up. So... um, so yeah, there's there's I would say like the commonality of, um, well yeah, and I actually I have some listed here like, um, I think common words would be I just feel overwhelmed, 
Um, I have so much stuff. I can't get it organized. Um, feeling like all you're doing is managing your stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, feeling like you're spending time. You're spending a lot of time coping, looking for things, catching up on tasks, um, covering up maybe things that you feel like are inadequacies or, um, things that you're ashamed of, like being ashamed of your mess, maybe not wanting to have people over because of your mess, um, in your home, feeling like, I think this is a key one, feeling like you have great ideas or even maybe even ideas that are better than other people's, but you just can't organize them or you just can't act on them. There's just this block. There's like this wall between what your dreams are, what you want to do and what you feel like you can accomplish. Mm -hmm. And dreams, you know, being things that I think those of us without ADHD might look at and say like, oh, well, here's what you do, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But to a person with ADHD, that just, it's like a mountain they can't climb. It's just insurmountable. Um, I read a, I was doing some reading on this also so that I was, you know, educating. One of the things that I read was um, like getting all the things that you need to get yourself organized, like buying all the folders or like an organizational system, but never being able to implement it. Or if you can get to that point where you get it set up, you're not able to continue using it. Mm -hmm. Like it just is like overwhelming to keep up on even the organizational system that you've tried to put in place. But more often, more often it's just like, I have all the things that I need to be able to do this, but I can't execute. Mm -hmm. I can't get to that point. Mm -hmm. Even though I have all the tools right here, it's just utterly overwhelming to try to think about sitting down and getting all of this set up. Yeah. And I think all of us, even those of us without, you know, ADHD can probably hear that. Oh, absolutely. It'd be like, oh yeah, I've had, I've had moments <laughs> like that. Like absolutely. the closet that needs to be clean and you just Ugh. put it off and put it off and put it off. But over and over again. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's that, it's that like, you're eventually able to do it. Mm-hmm. You may complain the whole time, but you can, you can accomplish mm-hmm. it. Um, or it, you know, I think with folks with ADHD, it does build up to this point of where it interferes with functioning on some level. So whether that level is work or school or, um, or social or family and friends, like, you know, you have this particular thing that keeps you from, like keeps you kind of hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like this secret shame, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. And then, um, feeling like an imposter, um, and then I think this is, I, I have heard this a lot from um, women with ADHD looking at, they look at other people, they look at their friends, not just people on Instagram, you know, but they're looking at people that they know, friends, family, and they have no idea how their friend is able to accomplish what they accomplish, mm-hmm. how their friend is able to kind of manage to lead a consistent, regular life. Yeah. Um, it's just like out of the, it like is mind blowing to them that, that someone can be consistent and kind of regular. Yeah. Um, Cause they're just not able to do that. And man, how that must feel like that just, to me just screams that you know, be, putting myself in that type of um, space. Like I can just imagine the feelings of inadequacy mm-hmm. that could be there. The shame of mm-hmm. like, why am I not good enough? Why can't I, handle these things. What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? 
nailed it. That I can't accomplish these things in the way that my best friend can or Mm -hmm. whoever. Like that's a a real quick way for us to go down that shame spiral to feel um, like just kick our self esteem into into nothing because we're making this you know. I don't want to say assumption, but like we truly are truly embracing and believing that we just aren't enough. Yeah. That we just suck. Yeah. We don't know how to do life. That it's like a moral failure or a, yeah, yeah some, somehow we're lazy. There's this great book. Um, it's kind of old, but it, this, this book for people with ADHD called you mean I'm not crazy, stupid or lazy, something like that. I may have gotten the order wrong, but that, that is, I'm lazy. I'm stupid. I'm crazy. Like those are the, that's kind of the inner dialogue, which is a very shame-based dialogue. And so, you know, and shame, I, the way I often talk about shame is shame often causes us to, and this is, I stole from Brene Brown, so it's not mine, but um, (laughs) that it causes us to shrink down or puff up Mm -hmm. and sometimes both. But, but I think with ADHD, oftentimes it's that shrinking right? We become, um, you want to hide, you want to, you're, you're so just humiliated by your lack of ability to adult, if you will. And then I think, you know, again, bringing it back to particularly for women, there is this, I don't know, like, you know, this Proverbs 31 woman, that I know, impacted me when I was like in college ministry, that was like a big thing. And sure. And so, and this Proverbs 31 woman clearly doesn't have ADHD. Like she's able to accomplish all these tasks and like details. And, um, and so she's like superwoman. She's like superwoman. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that for women in general, for Christian women, maybe even in particular, um, there's a particular kind of shame with not being able to accomplish what you feel like you should be able to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's heavy. Like I, I don't suffer with ADHD, but like I can feel the weight of that. Yeah. Just thinking about it and just being empathetic to other women that may be in that space. Like my heart just feels heavy Mm -hmm. because I can only imagine being in that space and um, always just struggling Mm -hmm. with that. And um, feeling like I'm quote unquote failing Mm -hmm. at these womanly duties that I am supposed to, we're using a lot of words and quotes here, supposed to be able to handle and accomplish because that's part of my role. Mm -hmm. But what if that's not feeding into our strengths? (laughs) What if these roles that we have taken on because we think that we're supposed to are not like are not just aligning with who we are as a person who God has made us to be and we are trying to function in a space that is just like not meant for us yeah yeah I mean I I mentioned to you before one of the things that made me so mad when I was reading about um particularly women with ADHD is the way that um, so men, and this is, again, these are like, these are, these are stereotypes. This is like 
generalizations, right? So just know that. But men tend to have jobs culturally that uh, they have administrative assistants, they have um, secretaries, or they have, and they have wives at home that are, you know, taking care. Maybe their wives are working, but, you know, we all know that women tend to take the larger share of the household duties, yeah. whether or not they're working full time. Yeah. That's just how it is. So, um, it, yeah. So men with ADHD, for example, they have somebody to take care of these details. And, um, I've heard it said that detail, boring details are kryptonite to somebody with ADHD. Okay. So men get to avoid that. Not all men, of course, but, but a lot of them are kind of programmed that you get to this certain level in your career and you get somebody to take care of these details. Women, on the other hand, um, are, you know, not as promoted as men, um, for various reasons. And then they get stuck in this, in this position maybe where they have to, they're dealing with all these details that are their kryptonite. And rather than think, oh, I need to get promoted so that I can have an assistant, uh, they think, oh, I must not be smart enough to do this job. And so they leave the job or they get demoted or they demote themselves, right? Or they go to their manager and say, I can't handle this. I need a lesser job. Mm -hmm. um, and so when really what they do, need, they need a promotion or they need an assistant or whatever. So, you know, whether or not it's in a work setting, I think that the, the idea of thinking bigger, not smaller, thinking, okay, if, if these details are driving me nuts, I just need somebody to take care of these details so that I can focus on the big picture. And um, I guarantee you there are people out there that love focusing on the details too, like that's their jam. So, um yeah, I think that that just like frees, frees us up to be able to focus on what God has for us, what he's laid before us, rather than these details that we think we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And I know we have, a lot of us do have this kind of hesitation to hire somebody or ask for help or, you know, outsource or delegate or, you know, especially for these things that it seems like we should be able to do. Mm -hmm. um, but if that's our kryptonite, like, let's. Let's get somebody else to deal with that. Yeah. Let's we approach it We don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. We don't always have to. So whether that looks like, you know, hiring a professional organizer or talking to a friend who's really great with details to help you make a list of these A, B, C, D, E, F, G things that you need to get to your point. And, and you know, I'm someone, I, I was a CPA for, well, I still am, but I, I worked as a CPA and accountant for 15 years and um, there are some parts of details that I actually really like, and I'm excited to help somebody make an Excel spreadsheet. You do love an Excel spreadsheet. I do. <laughs> so like, really, you can ask and, yeah. and there will be, there's probably someone in your life that wants to learn how to help you make a website or do an Excel spreadsheet or file your taxes or organize your paperwork or fill in the blank. Organize your closet. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. of my very good friends in Marysville, she was like, I need you to come help me organize my hmm. closet because I'm very organized and it just felt totally overwhelming to her. And she was like, help me please. And I was like, woohoo. Yeah. I get to go organize a closet. Like I totally geeked out over that. Mm -hmm. And I think that being able to ask for that help to recognize the strengths of those around you, of your friends and be like, I know you're super good at this. And I know you weirdly love to do this and I hate it. Please help me yeah. because I promise you, 
there is probably something that that person hates to do that you rock at. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We all have those strengths and weaknesses and we have to be able to recognize what those are. And does that mean that we just give up on working on those weaknesses? No. Like part of our growth is being like, yeah, I'm not great in this area, but I will continue to like work at that. Mm -hmm. But I think if we're able to recognize this isn't my strong area, we can have more realistic expectations for ourselves of what that looks like. Yeah. Because if you suck at organizing things, but you put these expectations on yourself that your whole house is always going to be organized. Like you're constantly going to be feeling like you're failing. Mm-hmm. So we really have to be able to be realistic with ourselves in what we are, where, where those strengths are. And like knowing like I can crush that, like no problem without even a second thought, but I need support in these areas. Mm-hmm. And I think that Sometimes, and and I feel like there's a shift in mom culture in this, which I am digging on real hardcore. And I I wish that it was, um, this is how it had been when I had small children. But I feel like there is starting to be this shift of women encouraging other women to reach out and ask for help, that they don't need to think that they need to have it together all the time, that everybody is struggling in one way or another And no matter how good it looks on the outside, how put together it may appear on Instagram, we all have our struggles Mm -hmm. and we can be vulnerable with each other in that and be like, y'all, I need help with this. I'm struggling. Yeah. And, and okay. So I hate asking for help. Um, I'm an Enneagram three. I love accomplishing and being productive. Mm -hmm. I hate asking for help. Um, But here's the, here's something that challenged me a, a few years ago this idea that the the actual best way to con- I love connecting with people. The best way to connect with people, one of the best ways, is asking them for help. <laughs> like if you have a new neighbor, like if you can go ask them for help on something, yeah, uh, you kind of are connecting because then they can ask you. They feel free to ask mm-hmm. you. Like when you need something, you're gonna you're gonna ask the person that asked you at 4 a.m. for you know yeah help while their kid went to the ER right like you're not gonna ask the person that's never asked you for help so um, I think that yeah that's a very connecting thing and that's good to remember for both ADHD and non ADHD absolutely women yeah yeah so. man there's there's a there's definitely a weight that I think comes with womanhood. I think it's awesome and like being a woman is awesome and um, you know, the, the awesome things that we get to do and um, just be and to have ministry and fellowship with other women. Like so cool. I think it's a very special relationship. Mm-hmm. Men have their, their thing with their, you know, friends and all that, but mm-hmm. gosh, I feel like there's something so special about, um, about women and, and being able to understand each other. And I think that this topic is, um, is so good to just discuss because I think a lot of people, when you told me about this initially, I mean, this was a while back when you, I think there was a book that you had read or something Mm -hmm. and you were like, wow, I had no idea. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought that women with ADHD would look so, the symptoms and the the way that it presents itself Mm -hmm. would be so different Mm -hmm. from men and how, it looks so close and be can be confused or labeled as something else. Mm-hmm. Oh, and let me just throw in too, like 
it absolutely is very common for ADHD and depression or anxiety or both to coexist. Mm -hmm. And so um, the symptoms of ADHD, both in kids and adults, can mimic symptoms of lots of other things. Mm -hmm. I should have said that before too. Um, And so the question to ask is really like, okay, is my anxiety causing these symptoms of ADHD or is my ADHD causing these symptoms of anxiety and seeing for depression? So um, in order to get diagnosed, you know, you really need somebody that's very familiar with this um, and knows their stuff when it comes to ADHD and trauma and anxiety and depression, all those things. So um, I'll just throw that out there as well. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the diagnosing piece of it and um, just what that can kind of look like and what some of the benefits are of being able to actually put a diagnosis to it instead of just thinking, yeah, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe this is it or maybe it's something else. Yeah, well, I think like philosophically, you know, thinking about diagnosis and, and yeah, I mean, there are cases where it can be great to have a diagnosis and there are cases when it's, sorry, you may hear Angus <laughs> snoring a little bit. Here. Snoring a little bit. Um, there may be cases where it's, where it's not as helpful. I mean, let's just acknowledge that as a diagnosis of ADHD does carry some stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in some cases it can be incredibly freeing to, to be like, Oh my gosh, that's me. You know, that you nailed it. Like that is what I have. It has a name. It's not a personality flaw or a moral failing. I'm not crazy, stupid, or lazy. It, mm-hmm. It's this thing. Um, on the other hand, you know, it can be this label that we can take with us and can be actually harmful. So yeah. if we like kind of roll that into our identity. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I'm, hi, I have ADHD. Yeah. Like, you know, where it becomes a, a, a main thing. So I, so I think there's a tension there, but, um, but I think in general, like the, the idea that, oh, we could have, we could, we could have a reason for what we're going through, what we're struggling mm-hmm. with, you know, whether that is a diagnosis of anxiety or depression or, you know, an acknowledgement of past trauma that's impacting you today, or whether it's ADHD. I mean, all of those things, um, I think help you know, kind of give us, give us a a more self-awareness of who we are and, and give us some focus on how we can help ourselves, how we can cope, what strategies we can use to treat it. Mm -hmm. And with ADHD in particular, you know, it is one of those, um, those diagnoses where one of the first lines of, of treatment, I was going to say defense, but treatment (laughs) is, um, is typically medication. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you need to have a diagnosis in order to get that treatment. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's, I think it's important if it's something that you're like, oh gosh, could this be me? Um, I think it's something to look into. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, like, you know, talking with a doctor, Mm -hmm. if you have a therapist or you feel like this could be something, even like if you, I would say if you don't have a therapist and this is a diagnosis that you get, like that could be a really good next step, you know, in, in talking after talking with your doctor and and Mm -hmm. all that. And, and really I feel like a, Sometimes it's hard to get that diagnosis from a doctor. Yeah. It's it's really hard. Um, but it is something that a therapist or um, even if you're going to psychiatrist. Yes. Because they can also prescribe the right medication in that as That's well. Right. And then you can, you know, with the, you know, with talk therapy or psychotherapy, you know, it's like you can work on processing mm-hmm. through 
this new diagnosis if that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And if that's not it, then okay, like talk therapy can still be helpful because there's a lot that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And also gain coping skills and, and not just coping skills for effectively managing the symptoms of the ADHD, but if it is a new diagnosis, that's something that needs to be processed through as well. That could be a positive thing of like, how does this free me? How has this positively impacted me? Or maybe you're feeling crushed by that diagnosis. Like I didn't want this diagnosis. And what does that mean? Yeah. Or I can imagine feeling like, what the heck? Why didn't anybody see this Mm -hmm. when I was 12 and I could have, I've suffered all these years and not gotten help. Like I think there can be grief. Um, that could come up through it. So yeah, I absolutely think you're right. You know, we, the medications that we of course think of are Adderall and Ritalin and, um, and those, you know, stimulants have been found to be highly effective for treating the symptoms of ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have great results from those. It, it, it's just like any medication can be hard to get right. And you want to be working with someone that actually knows ADHD in adults really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not everybody. That's not every doctor. Um, that's not every psychiatrist. So, um, finding a practitioner that you feel like really understands you, hears you, knows what they're doing. Um, not every therapist is going to know a lot about ADHD. I didn't know a lot about ADHD when I first started in therapy. So, um, so yeah, it's, I think it's this openness to learning. There are a lot of resources out there. Um, but yeah, it tends to be, you know, medication and then some kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. There are, I've learned there's ADHD coaches out there that can specific are specifically trained to help you kind of create systems and organize and all that kind of stuff. Those, mm-hmm. you know, deal with those details. Mm-hmm. Um, there are support groups, there are national conferences. I mean, this is a big community of people. Like you do not need to go this alone. Um, and it's really you know, I think the goal of therapy after ADHD is, is to help you cope, but probably more broadly to help you integrate that part of you into, into your whole self, you know, so that you see yourself, that's a piece of you. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not all of you. It doesn't define you. Amen. Yeah. And that's with any diagnosis really, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think that that processing piece of that, that this is not a defining characteristic of who we are as individuals if there's something that um, we are diagnosed with. That's a really, really important piece mm-hmm. to be able to figure out how does this fit in to the bigger picture of life and me and family and yeah. all those things. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, if you have family, it's, it is, if you get diagnosed with ADHD, it is likely, certainly possible that you know, you have a child with ADHD, um, you have a parent with ADHD, you have a sibling, like that it tends to run in families. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, that's the way a lot of women actually figure out they so have it. You are so in my brain right yeah. now. I was literally just going to say, I think that's how a lot of women figure out that maybe this is a thing for them because they maybe have a child, they have a son that mm-hmm. is very obviously having these classic ADHD symptoms. So they start reading about it. They start Mm -hmm. researching it. And then they realize like it's different. You start reading that's different for boys than it is for girls. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is describing me also. Or they start seeing pieces of themselves Mm -hmm. in some of that. So imagine if you have ADHD and you're trying to help your child with ADHD, 
with these systems and these coping skills and these details, like, whew, that's hard. Like yeah. you're going to need, you're going to need some extra help and support. And, yeah. um, and that's available. I just, I think that's available to you. So. Yeah. yeah. It's this whole idea of bringing these things into the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, having a, shining a light on it instead of hiding, hiding it away. Mm-hmm. And, sh- and, you know, when shame ke- creeps in this, idea that shame really needs light and air in order to go away, to, to heal, I yeah. should say. Um, so when we, when we bring like exactly what you said, when you bring something into the light, when you give it a name, when you're able to name it. Um, and you're able to acknowledge that this is a piece of you. I think it, it does dissipate that shame a bit. Yeah. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that that's the way things work, right? Like, yeah. And and of course, yes, when you first get a diagnosis, you may feel shame. Um, But that's, you know, just having that name, having a, having a, gosh, having a name for it, Mm -hmm. having a thing even to search on Google, right? Like, like, it can feel empowering. So helpful. Yeah. Oh, this is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, in a small way, it's similar to when you figure out your Enneagram type, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, they know me. I'm learning so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. understanding myself so much better. Like yeah. these people spying on me because mm-hmm. they're speaking directly into my soul. That's right. Of the things that I think and I feel and I experience. And it's like, whoa. So yeah, I could totally see how just being able to um, give that give that a, a name. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an identity, it's not a title, but it does give us something to like hold mm-hmm. on to, to help us understand ourselves a little bit better mm-hmm. in that. And the, you know, the, the comment of like, Oh, I didn't get to that because of my ADHD or whatever. Right. Like, Oh, you know, um, that, that doesn't have, to, I think that might sound to us like an excuse. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're, we're allowed to have limitations. We're allowed to have weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, being honest about that, I just think the more honest we can be about our struggles to save people, the more they're going to be honest about their struggles to us. And I think we know inherently that vulnerability creates connection. And so if, you know, I think any kind of mental health struggle, when you talk about it, you know, you're going to be surprised at who else it's going to come up to you and say, Oh my gosh, me too. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't know this was okay to talk about. Right. Yeah. In the church or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I think that there's such a stigma that can come along with, I don't remember what I was watching the other day, but it was, or maybe I saw it on Instagram. I don't know. I, I read it somewhere, saw it somewhere, but it talked about how, you know, as like parents, for example, we, if our child had cancer or, you know, some physical illness, um, even, you know, physical, um, maybe they have some sort of um, degenerative disease or, you know, something like that. Like people don't shy away from saying, oh yeah, my, you know, my child has this or my child has that. But for some reason we do shy away from saying, oh yeah, my, my child suffers with depression or severe anxiety or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even ADHD. I feel like ADHD is one that maybe has become more accepted and understood. And so mm-hmm. that one's a little bit easier, but there's still this stigma that yeah. comes along with these different diagnoses that shouldn't carry a stigma because it isn't shameful. It mm-hmm. can feel very shameful, but 
the hope is that we can continue to be vulnerable in those things and share those struggles. Because when we do, I think more often than not, we find out that the person we're sharing with has their own vulnerabilities too. And then it does, it absolutely creates that connection Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, you have been vulnerable with me and shared this hard thing. Like, I feel like you're a safe person for me to share my vulnerabilities with you Mm -hmm. and you're building a, a relationship there. And so I just pray that we can continue to have open conversations and share about these things, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of it, our health and all of that, that it can all be something that we can talk about and we can share and we can reach out to people and um, be able to get that support Mm -hmm. that we need when we're walking through something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. And I think, you know, having this podcast with these sort of conversations, it's so important Mm -hmm. um, to just kind of normalize so much in the, and I think particularly in Christian circles again, like it's just, it's, it's not something that is talked about or it's talked about as sin or it's talked about as moral failure or, Mm -hmm. you know, just something shameful. So lift each other up. Yeah. Give each other support in that and like love people through those things. Mm -hmm. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being here. And you too, Angus. He's really <laughs> snoozing good over there. Um, I just appreciate the passion that you bring to this topic um, and your willingness to come and talk about it and share what you've learned and just give encouragement in those ways. I think that we, we all need to be able to just hear those things sometimes and have those conversations so just really grateful that, thank you that you came and you're awesome like always thanks for having me this was so fun yeah yeah it was really enjoyable i wish that shannon would have been here with us but that's hi. okay hi shannon <laughs> yeah hi shannon we missed you <laughs> <laughs> so a couple announcements before we finish up um june 18th six o'clock at living word we have our um, eden S- summer barbecue kickoff That'll be outside. Um, there won't be a message that night, but we will just be hanging out and just celebrating the beginning of summer and having a good time. And then we will have another episode of Eden Speaks on Friday, the 25th. Um, and Shannon will be back for that one. So we will um, get that get that out for you. So be watching for that. And um, I will I'll praise out. That sound good? Sounds good. Awesome. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for the time to be able to come together and just have these real conversations um, to be able to just um, recognize that that you have gifted us with certain things. Um, and in that, um, that means that, that we're not awesome at everything and that that is okay. You have made us perfectly. You have made us exactly the way that you intended for us to be. And we just ask that you would help us to understand what those things are so that we can truly walk and live in the way that you have called us to. And sometimes that might not look exactly the way that we want it to. Sometimes we may wish that we were gifted with different things or that things that we're not great at, that we could just figure out how to do them better. And I just pray that we would be able to embrace who we are and how we are made and that we can just know that you love us so much and that um, one of the things that you call us to do is to love each other 
and that we can continue to lift one another up. We can walk with each other. We can just be with those that are around us and that we can have vulnerability and just really create connection. And knowing that sometimes that connection is because we're able to share things that we are struggling with and that we would feel empowered to do that and just know that we are loved in so many different ways. Thank you so much for just being present with us while we have been recording this and we just love you so much and we pray this all in your mighty holy name. Amen.